It's good to see everybody here today. There's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, you know the scripture where it says, wide is the way. There's going to be a lot of people go that way. And you know, we have our priorities right. You know, narrow is the way. And there's only going to be a few that, that answers the uh, gospel call. But we don't, we shouldn't give, we're not going to give up on trying to save those. Jesus wants to save everybody. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to be looking this morning at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13. We're going to be looking, starting with verse 1. We'll read that. I thought, and then we'll also be looking at, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy. And then we'll also be looking at chapter 4 in 2 Timothy, verses 1 day. And then that's what we'll be looking at in our Bibles. I thought it was important to look at the background of uh, of these of, the, of this scripture, which will kind of tell us what um, sound words are. Uh, First Timothy, hold fast the form of sound words. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. The form of sound words and strongs, if you've got one of those at home or on your, your um, device, is number 3056. And the words of the Lord are given by the Apostle Paul. And what we're going to be looking at is, is an epistle or a letter written to Timothy, you know, and that was like a son to Paul. And we'll be looking at that in, in these scriptures that we're going to look more. Sound words, healthy teaching. <coughs> Would be another way to describe it. Another description would be sound or true doctrine instead of words doctrine. Uh, wholesome words, wholesome doctrine, uh, uncorrupt doctrine, uncorrupt words. So let's look at the background now because Paul uh, writes this letter, this epistle to Timothy to encourage him in the uh, preaching of the word. And which it might, it might at this time be, be getting ready to give up because there's a lot of persecution right now. Uh, famous last words is more than a cliche. When troubled men and women of influence are about to die, the world waits to hear their final words or insight and wisdom, which, is, which we'll look at this morning of Paul. Then those quotes are repeated worldwide. This is also true with a dying loved one gathered at his or her bedside, the family strains to hear every whispered syllable of blessing, encouragement, and advice, knowing that this will be the final message, which is what we'll look at there in, in uh, Second Timothy of Paul. One of the most knowledgeable, influential, and beloved men of history is the Apostle Paul. And we have his famous last words. Paul is facing death when he wrote this letter. He was not dying of the disease or in a sterile hospital. Uh, he didn't have loved ones gathered nearby. He was very much alive, though. But his condition was terminal because we're going to find out that Nero at this time is going to put him to death, and probably he was beheaded. Convicted as a follower of Jesus of Nazareth, Paul sat in a cold Roman prison cut off from the world. Remember his first imprisonment? He was like in a rented rented room and he had free to go and come. 
But now Nero has arrested him a second time and put him in a cold, dark dungeon or Roman prison. But just a visitor or two and his writings, writing materials is all he had there. Paul knew that soon he would be executed, chapter 4, verse 6. And so he wrote his final thoughts to his son Timothy, his son in the faith. He was like to him a son. Passing to Timothy the torch of leadership, reminding him of what was truly important uh, and encouraging him in the faith. Imagine how Timothy must have read and reread every word that Paul wrote to him. This was the last message from his beloved mentor. Paul, because of the situation and the recipient, this is the most intimate and moving of all Paul's letters, and it was his last. Paul's introduction is tender, and every phrase demonstrates the love that he had for Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. And he reminds Timothy of the qualities necessary for a faithful minister of, of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 13. Timothy should remember his call and use his gifts with boldness. Chapter 1, verses 6 to 12. And keep to the truth. Prepare others to follow him in the ministry. In other words, teach others to teach. Be, be disciplined and ready to endure suffering. To keep his eyes and mind focused on Christ. Paul challenges Timothy to hold to sound doctrine or sound words, as the verse says there in verse 13. Reject error, avoid godless chatter, correctly handle the word of truth, and keep his life pure. Well, next, Paul warns Timothy of the opposition that he and other believers would face in the last days from self-centered people who use the church for their own gain and teach false doctrines. And a lot of this is going on in our political climate today. Paul tells Timothy to be prepared for these unfaithful people by remembering his example, remembering Paul's example to him. He's his mentor. Understanding the real source of the opposition and finding strength and power in the Word of God. Chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Then Paul gives Timothy a stirring, a stirring charge to preach the word, chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, and to fulfill his ministry until the end. That's Paul. Paul concludes with the personal request and items of information. In these final words, he reveals his loneliness and his strong love for his brothers and sisters in Christ. There has never been another person like Paul, the missionary apostle. He was a man of deep faith. Undying love, constant hope, tenacious conviction, and profound insight. And he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us God's message. As you read 2 Timothy, know that you are reading the last words of this great man of God. His last words to Timothy and to all who would proclaim, to, who would uh, claim to follow Christ, recommit yourself to stand courageously for truth knowing the word and being empowered by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I want to now give some uh, little bit of background what was going on in Paul's life. Like we said, it's his second imprisonment. He wasn't in a rented house anymore. 
Uh, Nero's put him in prison in the dungeon. And uh, back then, it's not like the jails we have today where you're treated medically and given food and clothing and such. You know, he even asked to ask for somebody to bring him his cloak or his coat because he was in that dungeon. But the year following Paul's release from imprisonment in 64 AD, you know, after the death of Christ is when this was happening, a great fire consumed more than half the city of Rome. And it's believed by many to have been instigated or started by the Emperor Nero. The character of this monster, or Nero, supports this belief. He accused the Christians of this fiendish act, or for starting the fire in Rome, which directed suspicion from the real villain, which was he himself, Nero, and then began the most awful persecution of the Church of Christ, instituted or started by Nero. One of the victims of this persecution was the Apostle Paul. And he was brought to Rome and imprisoned a second time. And it was during this imprisonment awaiting death, which was probably in 67 or 68 AD, I guess about, what, two, three, four years after his first imprisonment. The second epistle, to, he wrote the second epistle to Timothy, his last letter. He tells him that he's living within the expectation of being offered up. But through all of this, the note of Christian triumph, the statement of a man who knows whom he has believed and to whom he has committed his life and his death. You know, the Apostle Paul. Remember, Paul used to be, before he was convicted and converted and baptized and becoming a profound uh, uh, Christian for Christ. He was the persecutor. He persecuted Christians. He even held the coats while they stoned or murdered uh, Stephen. And now he has become one of the persecuted because you know, he's in that prison, you're in that dungeon. Now if you look at your Bibles, if you got them with you today, <clears throat> we're going to look at 2 Timothy Let's read, uh, let's look at chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. <clears throat> and it reads, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is a salutation before that letter that he writes him. Verse 3, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. And when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that is in thee, where did he get that? This is verse 5, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee, Timothy, in thee, thee also. Wherefore, put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the, by the, put, by the, pitting, by the putting on of my hands. 
For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, for of me is prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9, who hath saved us, called us with a holy calling, and according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Verse 11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. This is Paul. For the which cause I also suffer these things. He was in prison. I am not ashamed, for I know, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And then our, our text scripture for this morning, verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to turn over to, if you've got your Bibles, turn over to chapter um, chapter 4. And this is where it's going to talk about uh, the charge given to Timothy. I charge thee, Timothy, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And this, as it is appearing, the, the, second, the second time in Christ is coming. And we're all looking forward to that. Preach the word. And what's that first one? Uh, our, our, our text scripture. To hold fast the form of sound words or preach the word. <coughs> preach the word. And in, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all own suffering and doctrine. For the time's going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers and itching ears. Uh, teachers having itching ears. And that's what they're going to be listening to. A lot of our political climate today. A lot of our religious climate today. They're only going to... They're going to hear, but they're only going to comprehend or get in their minds what they want to hear. And they, verse 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, Timothy, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. This is Paul. He's looking forward to his death. You know, Nero's getting ready to probably behead him. I don't think it says so in Acts, but if you look at tradition or history, uh, that is some of the things you can you can see. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that last at that day. And not to me only, but unto all those also that love his appearing. So not to Paul only, 
and he's looking for that that death and when he appears the second time but us too you know we're looking for that at his appearing it was important there in verse 2 for Timothy to preach the gospel so that Christ's message could spread throughout the world you know, he was specifically told to go to the Gentiles. Uh, it is still vitally important for believers to spread the gospel. Who's the believers? That's us. Uh, half the people who have ever lived are alive today. And most of them, they don't know Jesus. And they don't know he's coming soon. You know, that's hard to believe that there are people like that today. And he wants to find his faithful believers ready for him. That would be us. It may be inconvenient to take a stand for Christ or to tell others about his love, but preaching the word of God is the most important responsibility that the church has been given or that we have been given. Be prepared, courageous, be sensitive to God-given opportunities to tell the good news. You know, lots of times when our work life during the week, we have opportunities that we can uh, maybe start a conversation about God or, or uh, Christ. And that's the, that's the God-given opportunities that he gives all of us all of the time. Be instant in season. Be instant out of season means always be ready to preach the gospel whether or not it's convenient. And in verse 3, having itching ears means hearing only what they want to hear or the I guess the people at large want to hear. That's, that makes me think of uh, all the different denominations. What, what people want to hear, you know. Verses 5 to 8. As he neared the end of his life, Paul, Paul could confidently say that he had been faithful to his call. Thus he faced death calmly, knowing he would be rewarded by Christ. Is your life preparing you for death? Do you share Paul's confident expectation of meeting Christ? The good news is that the heavenly Lord is not just for giants of faith like Paul, but for all who eagerly are looking forward to Jesus' second coming or his appearance. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. <clears throat> some scriptures that kind of uh, point this out. But turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, 8, 9, and 10. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, that's law abiders, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but it's made for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, and then in verse 10, for warmongers. Think of our political climate today, our culture today. For them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, or those sound words, hold fast to the sound words. 
there in verse 13. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Yea, or yes, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We look for his appearing. We look for that last day. We know we're going to die here on earth physically, but we look for Jesus to come back on that last day when we'll all get our reward. James chapter 1 verse 12. James chapter 1 verse 12. <clears throat> Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall retrieve the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. We love Christ. We love God. There's only got to be a few of us. In our conclusion, I would like to, the last day of your life, Knowing that the end's near, Joshua, we're going to look at the Old Testament, the valiant soldier of God, used his last day of life to solemnly address the people of Israel. And he began by saying, Now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth. Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. And what's the way of all of the earth? We're all going to pass away. We're all going to die. He went on to remind the people of God's goodness. In the past, and to and to warn them that the unfaithfulness to God in the future would bring ruin. Joshua chapter twenty-three, verses fifteen and sixteen. And he closes farewell address or speech by urging in twenty-four, verse fourteen. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Well, how would you spend time if you knew that this was your last day? As if it's your last day on earth. It is a sobering thought. Consider the following. You don't know when your last day is going to come. You know, we know it can happen instantly at any time. Uh, few of us will be as certain of the arrival of our last day as Joshua did. We know that the day will come, but we don't know when. It may be before we leave today. It may be tonight in our sleep. You know, that's the way I want to go is in my sleep. No pain, no suffering. But the future at best is uncertain. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. The Bible compares this life to a vapor which appears briefly and then it vanishes away. James chapter 4 verse 14. That is why it's so important that we make immediate preparation for the day we will go the way of all the earth. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse two. Your last day is probably going to be a, like, a day like today. Uh, it's likely that your last day, you're going to live it like you're living it today. The things you are doing now will probably be the things you're going to be doing then. The great songwriter and preacher, 
uh, Will Slater spent the last day of his life preaching and leading singing in a small South Arkansas town congregation. One of the songs he sang was entitled, This is Someone's Last Day. I don't believe we've seen that one here. But he commented on the appropriateness and truthfulness of that title. Later that night, Brother Slater collapsed. He died on the way to the hospital in an ambulance. And it was a typical day of his, in his life, a fitting end to a life of faithful service to God. If today were your, to be your last day, would it be a day that you will, would really willingly remember? Uh, just as accept it as being typical in your everyday life. How have you lived today? This is the real question. Have I used today for good or for evil? Have I tried to help or hurt others? Have I sought to grow personally and spiritually? Or have I been content to drift? Have I used the day to sow kindness or unkindness? You know, words that you say to others during your work life or at school or at home. I have, have I tried to live for God? Or have I simply ignored him? When I was in school, one of my Bible teachers taught me to pray. Lord, help me to live every day as though it were my last day. That is the real secret to successful living. You know, and that goes, makes me go back to think about opportunities. Seize the opportunity. If you procrastinate it, procrastinate and let it go by, you're never going to get it back. So you have to seize your opportunity when it comes around. If you could know that this was your last day, would you wish to make changes in your life? This day's been given to us for preparation and for self-improvement. And we need to use it wisely. Going back to our whole fast lectureship uh, title, Hold Fast, the Form of Sound Doctrine or Sound Words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and in love, which is in Christ Jesus. Thank you.